The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the summer edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and we're really glad to have everybody back. I'm here with my co-host, Spencer G., and I'm going to let him roll with some great topics. Yeah, it's great to be back here on voiceamerica.com and uh, Bruce the Sports Doc. Just last week, we saw the Great American Classic, which is Major League Baseball. We saw a successful home run derby, and as I look at Major League Baseball... I, I I look at a sport that is kind of declining in terms of people actually t- tuning into baseball, you know, because we grow up in this modern generation where kids that are younger have a lot of cell phones and the technology era has really taken over, has really taken over baseball and sports and, you know, the way that people used to grow up in America is they used to have a radio out, they used to have barbecues, and baseball would would be thrown over the air, waves of, of radio. But now that you have smartphones, now that you have Snapchat, Twitter, all these other ways of communication, those those summer nights where you're not doing much, your odds are kids are not going to be tuning into baseball. And this causes our generation to be sped up. And Bruce, I'd like to welcome you into this conversation, and uh, I'd like to um, hear your thoughts on on why baseball is not popular with this generation. I just talked about technology playing a factor as kids' minds are now more impatient than ever, and maybe a solution for the game of baseball going forward to again gain the popularity that it once had. That's a complicated question, and... My answer would be that I do have a comparison to 20, 30 years ago in the present. You're quite right. I didn't grow up with any cell phones, no computers, um, no, no cable. And it seems like everything now is streamed on the computer and there's, social media is so important. So really your question is for young people, people in the generation of, let's say, 10 to 35 what is it about baseball that makes it less appealing? And I think you hit the nail on the head about, number one, it is a slow sport. And there are some exciting things that happen. Obviously, I think still the fireball pitcher and the home runs are, are still very exciting. But because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of time between batters, batters you know, getting signs, 
tapping the bat on the plate. There's there's just a lot of stuff that that goes on that makes it not as fast. The kids these days look for instant gratification. Also with free agency, you don't really identify with the team. Your team's constantly changing. Back when I remember the when the eighty Phillies won, we had this, you know, Pete Rose was the missing piece to the puzzle. Uh, we had Steve Carlton, we had Larry Boa and Tony Perez and essentially guys that were there. You could expect the team. And when the team's constantly changing, and this goes for all sports, including certainly basketball and football to some degree, it makes it less appealing for the fan because you, these players, you don't really identify with them and you don't know them very deeply. And just when you start to like them and, and, and know about them, they're, they're playing for another team. There's some interesting perspectives, but also I'd like for you to humor me and and some more of my opinions. I look at the at television and how me, and how much television has really played into baseball's decline because the NBA now has its own channel, NBA TV. NFL Network is another television channel. And basically, NFL fans, NBA fans, they could be filled up on on NBA information and NFL information 24-7. And we looked at the DeAndre Jordan saga last week with Mark Cuban, you know, looking around Houston for DeAndre Jordan. You know, Chris Broussard, ESPN, was all over, you know, Cuban, Chandler Parsons. And it was a wild goose chase, really. In, in And it was really a social media-driven saga about where DeAndre Jordan would go. The players were, you know making emojis saying that they were going to Houston, you know, all congr- you know, all trying to meet at DeAndre Jordan's house and all of that was a lot more riveting than let's just say a Mets Reds game. Um, whereas 20 years ago when the NBA season was over, there was no communication, no social media. I mean, I know players were on the move, but it was kept definitely more under a microscope and baseball could really take some, you know, center stage in the summer, but you look at television right now there's so many things to watch on television there's netflix and and also all the different sports channels so your options were a lot more limited back then for baseball and people are a lot more impatient now with netflix and and with you know the television options that are available I also look at baseball in general, and in this in this in this age, I think it's tough to get a big group together to play baseball. I mean, back when you didn't have technology, kids would go out nine on nine and play baseball outside. And the closest thing we have to baseball now is maybe tennis baseball, where you're bouncing a ball and, and hitting hitting a tennis ball with a, with a baseball bat, um, because or maybe kickball, because just finding people going to a park and playing baseball in a technology-driven world is difficult, but also having 18 guys or maybe 10 guys, it's a lot easier to go to a basketball court, get a basketball or get a football and and go out in the grass and toss around some football. Um, You look at fantasy football and and fantasy basketball, fantasy football is huge. And again, I think a huge problem with baseball is the amount of games. If they would shorten the games to 100 games, baseball would 
would be a lot more important. You'd be putting a lot more emphasis on each baseball game. I think it's tremendously boring that you have 162 games. When you go to a baseball game and it's practically meaningless whether the team wins or loses unless you're talking about late September and and August. I mean, April games, May games, they're just not that appealing. They're just not important and they're not indicative of how the team is going to do. So... Just revolving your schedule around a baseball game, unless you're really interested in baseball or a team, I think regular season sports definitely suffer, and the only sport that does not is professional football, where each game is is basically... It, it basically is your entire season. Each game is so crucial in the grand scheme of everything. And that's why I love college basketball and college football as well. Because for seeding, each game is so, so important. Well, another thing about the game of baseball is that as far as homegrown American players, I think we can agree that we as Americans often like to see our own players. And the fact is there's great players from all over the world. But as far as identifying with the players, a lot of them um, d- don't speak English as their native language. And realistically, um, that, that's just the way baseball is. And I, I think it's great. We have people from Japan and all over Central Latin America. But a lot of the homegrown stars are playing other sports. And I think that's a, that's a minor factor in why... Uh, baseball is is not as popular among American kids particularly. I argue that kids are not playing baseball because it's just hard to get nine people, 18 people together to play baseball. Why do you think kids are gravitating towards other sports now where maybe when you were growing up, they were playing baseball? I think that there are certain sports that have emerged. Certainly lacrosse is a sport that really didn't exist much when I was growing up. A lot, a lot of good athletes are playing lacrosse. While soccer is, is still, it's still controversial whether that's a good spectator sport. I, I would argue to the contrary. A, lo- a lot of people are playing soccer, so I think soccer, lacrosse, crew, th- those sports are certainly very popular. W- with football, I still think it's popular despite the concussion and all the talks of that. Ice hockey is still a very small niche sport, always has been. And basketball, I think, is uh, remains a sport. And I think it, it, particularly in certain areas, big cities, for instance, basketball is looked upon as a, as a way to get out and move up in social status. And with, with uh, so many great superstars that have been well-marketed by the NBA, I don't think that Major League Baseball has done a very good job of marketing its stars. You just don't hear about them much. You don't see commercials other than... Um, you know, a couple guys, uh, certainly Cole Hamels here in Philly, very charismatic charismatic guy, Chase Utley, but uh, guys like Puig and, um, and certainly Trout, who's who's a guy from Jersey, is, is popular, but he's all the way out in California. So I just don't think there's the, the marketing hasn't been as effective. When I, when I look at creating... A, a baseball player I want you to kind of answer this and then we'll get to the next segment if you could think of uh, well you know what 
it looks like we're going to lead this question into the next segment because I want you to kind of marinate and think about this. And this is a teaser. If you could create one baseball player, like if you could, it's like you're, you have a video game and you have a canvas and you're going to create a baseball player that's going to take the world by storm and you would actually go to see this player. What would this player look like and what would his characteristics be? Because uh, I want to see if we could get some baseball players that would lead you in. So uh, that's the end of our first segment. You're listening to Bruce Sports Talk here on VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to talk sports with a passion? Get ready for Cheap Shots with Luther Broughton and Micah Warren. We'll start off with the NFL pretty much always, but the talk moves along from there. We'll talk about the events of the week, opinions from the big names, and predictions of what's to come. Plus, we'll get to hear from you, the ultimate fan. Don't let the name of the show fool you. We're in it for the good stuff. Cheap Shots can be heard live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. For the first week of July, The Revolution with Jim and Trav, presented by Outdoor Channel, will explore the exciting world of bows, broadheads, and the off-season grind. So joining us will be Cabela's Archery Category Manager, Ryan Schutz. Plus Sportsman Channel, Mitch Petrie, and Chad Hall from Sheep Shape. And Outdoor Channel's Ryan Langerhans from Buck Commander. And it's presented to you by Outdoor Channel at OutdoorChannel.com. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Surfing is taking the world by storm. It's not just the sport itself, but the culture that surrounds it. From music to fashion, art and competition, Surf Talk Show is a place that will showcase it all. Your hosts are JJ and The Doctor, two surfing enthusiasts who have lived and traveled the lifestyle and culture. They'll bring you the knowledge and entertainment that'll keep you riding the wave. Tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. on the West Coast, 2 p.m. East Coast on Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to VoiceAmerica.com. Bruce, the sports doc here with Spencer G. And we're rolling into the second segment. It's great to be back here. Um, Again, I want to thank everybody at the network uh, and the fans for listening to the show. Uh, We talked about baseball in the first segment. We had a great discussion, and now it'll be on our podcast page on Voice America. But right now, I want to talk about another really historic event that happened this weekend, a five-day event at St. Andrew's Golf Club, the home of golf. Uh, You had a riveting uh, Monday finish, and this was even without Rory McIlroy, the world's number one player. And, you know, with Tiger and Rory out, a lot of people, you know, might not, you know, might have been skeptical of the ratings and how how popular this tournament is but i know for sure that that i was i was watching this tournament um with great interest and i looked at zach johnson uh i looked at jordan spieth jason day adam scott you just have some unbelievable players um 
that are competing in this tournament, guys that have been there before. And then you sprinkle in amateurs like Paul Dunn. Um, and, and it just created for great drama. The leaderboard was stacked. And whenever you have a stacked leaderboard and the tournament means so much, I think it's almost hard not, not to turn away from it. That's true. And one of the surprising aspects of this British Open is that it was a tigerless British Open. He didn't make the cut. He's been in a funk. And the idea of Jordan Spieth, you know, essentially winning three of the four majors and having a chance for the Grand Slam was very riveting. The, um, the amateur done, the Irish amateur from UAB, 22-year-old guy who, who went into the, uh, the fourth day leading was a tremendous uh, aspect of it. It's really exciting when there's not one runaway, and there are about 10, 10 guys, really interesting guys, including Sergio Garcia, certainly an interesting, colorful guy, Spieth, and the guy who ultimately won, Jack, Zach Johnson, just a very humble, wonderful guy who is, is loved by everybody on the tour. And watching the four-hole playoff, literally, you know, in my office in, in trying to steal a peek, I think many people took the day off today, in, realistically. And there was even talk on uh, ESPN.com about how bosses should should let people off to watch the British Open, and they listed all the reasons why it would be riveting. Yeah, like I look at Spieth and, and uh, at 21 years old trying to get the Grand Slam. And the best thing about Jordan Spieth is that he's never satisfied coming in second. You know, a lot of these guys, amateurs that are out there playing the course of 21, they're just saying, please don't mess up. Uh, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to hit a duck hook into the uh, into the concession stands. I don't want to hit provisionals. Uh, please just let me shoot like an even par and let me do okay and not humiliate myself you know and let me finish top 5 and take home 800k and I'll be and I'll be just fine but the reason why Jordan's different is because he really cares about the wins and losses and when you're playing in a tournament with 130 of the best golfers in the world it's pretty incredible that a guy really can narrow it down to winning and losing. And a special part about Spieth watching him is his resiliency. He can bogey a hole and then have amnesia, completely forget about that, come back more motivated than ever, and go ahead and make his next putt. And that's really the heart of a champion, is again, playing to win all the time, not playing to not be embarrassed or or playing to lose, but actually playing to win. And that's so much... It's, uh, it's so much easier said than done to really accomplish that. And Jordan Spieth has just this demeanor. Like, if he hits a ball to 10 feet, he's like, dang it, why isn't it 6 feet? Um, he's always questioning himself. He's never satisfied. And he has that killer instinct, you know, like Kobe Bryant, where he will just bury teams. You know, if he's winning, he'll be like MJ and he'll pile it on. And uh, that, that's really the special thing about Jordan Spieth is, again, at 21 years old, he's already won two championships. You know, it would totally be acceptable for Spieth to slip up. But, but to him, each tournament out there, he truly believes he can win. And that takes hard work, you know, to build the confidence, the, the framework to actually have a golf swing and actually know your fundamentals really well. 
And then it, it, it takes, you know, the mental edge. Like, I can make every putt out here. Why didn't I make this birdie? Why didn't I do that? And, you know, Spieth also talks about when he's aiming at a target on the golf course, he says, I'm going to aim maybe five yards from the hole. Um, and if Spieth misses that target five yards from the hole and he's 10 yards, that's still a relatively good shot. But his aiming is so precise. He has such high expectations for a shot that even when he misses his mark, it's still pretty darn good and it's better than average. So those are just some pointers about Spieth that I really enjoyed. But Zach Johnson is a guy from Iowa. He literally had to have like 25 investors pay for him to go out on the mini tours he wasn't fortunate enough to have money within his own family to go out there and compete and 25 investors across the state of Iowa that watched this kid grow up they give they gave Zach a chance and Zach took that chance and ran with it he's about five foot nine Zach Johnson he hits the ball you know he doesn't have great distance I'd say like even most amateurs can maybe even hit it as far as him off the tee 265 but when you're not not long and you're playing you know PGA length golf courses your wedge game has to be just fantastic and I look at guys that I really relate to and Zach Johnson uh, even though he won the 2008 Masters he hasn't had a ton and ton of success he's a humble guy he's from Iowa and again the story about the investors so well liked on tour um, just a really classy great guy and uh, I was really thrilled to see him win this this golf tournament. Like to switch gears a little bit. Uh, we're watching Sober League in the NBA right now. They're in Vegas, and I'd like to talk about some of the stars. Uh, one of the uh, highlights of today was Scotty Wilbekin signing a four-year contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. A guy we loved in Florida. A skillful guy. Kind of went sideways last year. Didn't do too much. But I was glad to see him get picked up by the home squad here at Philly. Obviously, um, I have some opinions about Joel Embiid, who just refractured his navicular bone. It certainly, um, as as a sports doctor, makes me uh, be very concerned that he has some type of uh, demineralization problem, some brittle bone condition, even a genetic problem. We know that we've learned that his... uh, Family, they have a lot of spine problems. He had a compression fracture, and we certainly think about seven footers such as Yao Ming with navicular fractures and plantar fasciitis, as well as other big men, Greg Odom, who kind of had who who did a failure to launch in his career. And looking back on it, it's not as if the Sixers had a viable option because that was a real weak draft. And I look, uh, you know, past the third pick. And I didn't really see much that they could have taken that would have really panned out. So um, the question really is, did Sam Hinkie, you know, knowing the x-ray would have shown the fracture, the the, 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 uh, front office of the Sixers danced around for the past few weeks. They said there was a worsening. There was a suggestion of a problem. They really didn't come out and admit that there was a fracture. And um, I don't don't have a lot of trust in in the front office not to want to do things other than sell tickets. That is... I, I do believe in Hinky's strategy, but but the, the certainly the uh, the front office, the ownership of the Sixers, has really uh, sold people down the road as being a season ticket holder, and I, I think they should have immediately noted 
that he had a fracture and, and not strung everybody out. I'm sure they sold a bunch of tickets, and I think that was very disingenuous of the ownership of the Sixers. Yeah, it's funny. You just said the word I was going to think of disingenuous. And as a season ticket holder, you want to root for someone that truthfully is a representation of the people and, and, and what you want in a fan. And and when I look at an owner, I want an owner to tell me everything that's going on and I want to have the inside scoop. I don't want to feel like I'm sort of, you know, so far away from the situation um, that, that they're lying to you every day and they're just like playing you like a, a ping pong ball, hitting you in different directions. And um yeah, it's just it's it's really it's really really frustrating that that Joel that that uh, that they didn't tell us about this injury um, because again they just want to make more money and whatever. But as a fan base, I want to know like what's up with these players. I want to know information, and you know when you care about the team, you want you don't want to be left hanging on Joel Embiid and having the you know rely on like Bleacher Report and all these other sites that are not a hundred percent sure what's going on. And it seems like Sam Hinkie is kind of living in like a CIA like sort of. Like glass castle, and you can't break through. And I love owners that are right out there at the fans. I love Mark Cuban and Chandler Parsons, you know, basically telling everybody in the media, including the Dallas Fort Worth market, you know, we really wanted DeAndre Jordan. Now we're really sad we don't have him. And I'm sure Mavs fans, they feel connected to Mark Cuban. They feel connected in his process. They love the way he thinks and they love the way he believes, even though the rest of the league might not like his transparency. But it's just as a fan, you want to actually believe in the people that are leading you and then you want them to lead you to conclusions and actually be there and actually be out in the community and enjoying their presence but it just seems like Sam Hankey you know is just playing us for cliche kind of you know like ping pong balls he's hitting us every different direction he's totally manipulating us and he, it's not a mutual relationship here in Philadelphia while we're on the topic of basketball, a, a good friend of ours uh, put out, as he always tells, a controversial statement. Uh, Charles Barkley was talking about LeBron and said that uh, trade rack one was the uh, NBA Finals, noting that he was without uh, second and third supporting cast of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. I, I think it, it might have been a tug-and-cheek comment, I, I, but I, I think it's hard to even say that because LeBron was averaged 38 points a game and had spectacular performance. So I don't believe that uh, that, that was Charles's finest moment. Yeah, this is it for the second segment of Bruce the Sports Talk, and uh, we'll be back with some more segments here. Thank you so much for listening. Bruce the Sports Talk on VoiceAmericaSports.com. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal 
injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Bruce the Sports Doc at voiceamerica.com. After a bit of a hiatus in the summertime, Spencer and I are back, and we want to thank all the listeners. We want to particularly thank Ray Ellis, our chief, our director of Voice America, our emeritus professor of Philadelphia Eagles bone-crushing hits. We want to thank Jeff Spinard, owner, president, everything else in the network, for the privilege of being able to reach you on this most terrestrial network here in the great U.S. America and worldwide. So, let's go right to it. Going back to the NFL. Spencer, tee us up. I'll tee us up. First off, the, oh man, I wanted to jump on Barkley, but guess what? That trade has sailed. Get it? Trade wreck train. Okay, anyways, um... What right now this is kind of a discussion that I push to have in this show, and it's the top five quarterbacks that are most liked in the NFL, and we're each going to say one, and we're going to critique the answers, and we're going to kind of do this out loud to each other. So, Bruce, I'm going to allow you the honors. Let's see if you could get a top five quarterback, and let's see if we can mutually agree on it. Most liked. When you say most liked, if if this is a popularity contest, I'm going to lead off with Aaron Rodgers. I don't, I don't think anybody could really say anything bad about Aaron. He certainly played hurt. He's a humble guy. Um, he likes his footballs extra inflated. And um, I'm going to throw him out. Take take that one. <laughs> extra inflated 16 ounces. And he's a guy that on Twitter just everybody kind of respects. He's just such a cool dude. And, and everybody feels sympathy points, right, because of Brett Favre, that whole saga, right, with Aaron Rodgers. You know what also happened? Um 
is is Peyton Manning leaving Indianapolis and huge shoes to fill and Andrew Luck from Stanford. I think Andrew Luck is so popular and he's my guy for the second choice and he could be number one. I think he's so well liked because one, he's not on social media. He never says anything controversial. He goes to work and he acts like he's the third string special teams guy. I mean, you look at the way he looks. He's never wearing any bling. He's never showing off. He looks like he hasn't shaved in like five years. He looks like a woolly bear caterpillar, kind of. And I think that, like, Tom Brady's like, he's like a pretty good looking guy. He's married to a really, really attractive woman. Some people definitely could resent that and feel jealousy. But with Andrew Luck, the way he looks, I mean, um, he, uh, Again, he rocks the beard. It's a fine look, but he he never shows his off-the-field side. He never shows off like Tom Brady. And don't you think kind of looking like a little shaggy like Andrew Luck does doesn't make him as intimidating to people? What do you think about that? I think that people who follow football certainly know Andrew Luck. As far as a casual fan or or somebody who's a, a fringe follower of the NFL, he certainly... You know, he doesn't have that many endorsements, not that, that I have seen. And that goes to his humble nature, as opposed to Tom Brady and in some of the other players, the Richard Shermans, who really, he, he got a, a ton of endorsements after his uh, interesting, scathing commentary of Michael Crabtree. But it's my turn. I'm up now, and I'm going to, as far as a likable person, likable quarterback, I'm going to take Drew Brees. I remember his career at Purdue. I like he's an undersized guy. All-American guy. Uh, I think he's uh, all about family. He's a religious guy. Uh, he's, he's true to himself. And while, while his skills have been slowly waning, and the Saints you know, certainly had that terrible year uh, with the, uh, all the suspensions, including the coach, Drew has, has re- remained strong. He got a nice contract. I think it's hard not to put him on that list. No, because he battled adversity. He's small, like you said. He's a very nice guy. He's totally professional. And again, has never rubbed anyone the wrong way. A brilliant pick by you. This is where it kind of gets tough in our discussion. This is when we're kind of reaching and where we might get some controversy. Uh, I think there's a lot more quarterbacks that are liked than disliked. I'm going to say Phillip Rivers. This is a guy that's a gunslinger. He's known as wearing the bolo shoes. Um, you know, I guess like people could say Philip Rivers isn't as popular to people outside of football as maybe like a Peyton Manning or a Russell Wilson that'll probably get mentioned coming up. But I look at Philip Rivers. He's just so tough. Um, I love the way that he has like a gunslinger attitude about him. He, he really speaks his mind. Uh, he's just a football junkie that loves the game. And again, he's tough as nails and just enjoys really playing the game. And I look at Philip Rivers. He lives a no-frills kind of a life other than the bolo shoes and great interviews. And he's so candid that I, I got to love Philip Rivers. I'm going to throw Tim Tebow in as my next pick. And I know it's going to be hard for you to end up on the opposite side because you're a big Tebow fan. Certainly, uh, Spencer, you you know, you know cover um, here in Philadelphia. You you're, you had the privilege of working with Al Thompson, who is a regular beat writer for the Eagles. And you had a chance to interview Tim Tebow. And it's amazing that there are literally hundreds of reporters coming to the Eagles, even their mini camp. We haven't even started the uh, the summer training camps. That starts on August second. But we compare that to the New York Giants, the gigantic, the biggest network in the country, 
the, the biggest, um, I didn't mean to say network, the biggest market in the country, there's only about 50 fans out. So you could, you have total access to, uh, to, to Eli Manning and, and Al also covers the Giants. So he said that it's, a, it's an amazing what a feeding frenzy it is. And Tim Tebow is very liked. He's, he's well respected. And I think everybody roots for him to come back. And I think they're at, at present following the team as close as I am. He's going to be a third street quarterback for the Eagles. He's going to make the team. And they're, they're running a lot of different packages. I think, why don't, why don't you speak uh, briefly? Obviously, I know you're going to like him on the list. Tell, tell us about your interviewing of Tim Tebow. And you actually made him chuckle. Yeah, I asked Tim Tebow in the interview, I said, how often do you talk to Tom House, your baseball throwing mechanics coach, and do you ever talk football with Tom House, who's never played a down of football ever? I was like, do you talk to Tom House about football, or do you talk to Chip Kelly, your own football coach, about X's and O's? And uh, looking back on that question, uh, maybe I did have it prepared as well as I should have. But it was still a memorable moment. And I like Tim Tebow a lot. I don't know if I'd put him in the top five because there's a lot of Tebow, people that don't want to see Tebow do well. And I think it's because he's a goody two-shoes, a lot of people think. It's because they think he over-promotes Christianity on the field a lot by Tebowing, always praying, and always saying God, and just being so apparently driven into Christianity that people don't really you know, consider him to talk about, they don't really consider him realistic. They kind of think that he's doing this all for a popularity contest, all for show. And that's why a lot of people don't want to see him do well. And they always insult Tebow or, or they make fun of him. So I, I don't know if I could put him in this list, even though we're big Tebow guys here on this network, I would say for my quarterback, the fifth guy, I'm going to go Peyton Manning. It was either Peyton or Russell Wilson. And I think Peyton Manning is well-liked by a lot of people. They respect the heck out of him. Um, The bottom line is Russell Wilson, especially with a lot of... He's, again, a huge preacher of Christianity. A lot of people think that his defense does all the work for him. I just think Peyton's a tad bit respected. I mean, Bruce, would you have thrown Peyton and Russell Wilson in the list? And and, and who, who would you kind of fill out this list with? I agree with you. Peyton Manning is arguably the best regular season quarterback of all time. He would fall short in terms of Super Bowl, Super Bowl victories to Tom Brady, Joe Montana, and um, going back to Bart Starr, who, who kind of straddled the line between the uh, be, right before the Super Bowl era and also looking at Terry Bradshaw with, with four Super Bowl titles. But just as a spokesman of the game, a guy who is a coach on the field, totally respected person, you know, would didn't would, doesn't even have a, a parking ticket, as opposed to all the crazy stuff that we see. He he's well respected and liked, and I know that if I uh, if I were starting a franchise, and I had a choice of picking a coach, you know, a, an up and coming coach. Obviously, we're not talking about Belichick. Guys are going to be retiring soon, but I think Peyton Manning will be an awesome coach, an innovative offensive force, and well respected. W- w- one thing about great players is sometimes they don't always make great coaches or managers and uh, Michael George's a perfect example of that uh, and it's sometimes you know I've heard Peyton Manning is amongst his own team 
you know, he, he, he can be very temperamental and he's very much a perfectionist. And that's not always fun. But as far as a fan, he's definitely on, on, our, on our list and I agree with that. Yes. Last question before we run. If you had to pick a choice of a quarterback that's the most liked out of Romo, Cutler, or RG3, who would be the most liked out of that group? I would say out of that group, uh, definitely Romo by exclusion. Cutler, very talented guy, certainly a sulker, one who is um, people who know him usually, to know him is not to like him. uh, With respect to Robert Griffin, his career has been marred by injuries and, and underperformance. And I think Romo, even being a Phillies fan and a Dallas um, hater, I would say, as a rule, I, I, I have nothing but respect for Romo. He plays with broken ribs. He's a class act. I don't dislike him. Certainly, um, the Cowboys I disliked the most were before you were born. Again, Leroy Jordan, very dirty middle linebacker, but a Hall of Famer. So we're, we're going to be... Uh, heading into the next segment, which is the fourth segment on sports medicine. Stay there. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, 
back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're dealing with a very important area now, which will be injuries to the low back. This could relate to your sports injuries or other types of trauma, such as falls at work or car accidents. This is an area of extreme expertise for Grossinger Neuropaid Specialist. If you are within driving distance of the sound of my voice and you have a low back problem, whether it be a disc, whether it be a spinal cord injury, whether it be a car accident or a work accident, please call us for consultation. 610-521-6063. Again, I'm Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Let's start out with... The types of injuries in the low back. I like to think of three different main injuries in the low back that are serious. Number one, injuries to the discs. Okay, and they include bulging, protruding, or traumatic discs. That's when the inner core, which is the nucleus pulposus, essentially ruptures and breaks through the outer part, which is called the annulus fibrosis. Excuse the Latin. And what happens when a disc breaks out is it moves into an area where a nerve lives, a nerve root. In Latin, the word root is called radic. So when there is a disc problem or a bone spur which presses into a nerve root in the spine, or alternatively, if there is a tremendous force, particularly a flexion and extension force to the spine, that could actually tear or partially tear the nerve cables. The nerve cables are oriented such that there's an inner cable, which is like the inner part of a wire, that's called the axon, and there's an outer cable, which is called the myelin. So, we've talked about different injuries. What? Disc injury. That's one type of injury. Another type of injury is direct trauma to the nerve, stretching or pulling. If the nerve actually gets pulled out of the spinal column, that's called an avulsion. That leaves somebody with a flaccid limb, either an arm or leg, and total weakness. A nerve root avulsion, regrettably, is a very serious problem that's very difficult to treat. Another problem with the lumbar spine is called the facet syndrome. That is, the interconnecting joints are called facets. And in the same area, there are little nerves called Mediate branches. And what happens is there's injury to those joints and those nerves, and there's usually multiple levels of injury. So our treatment usually involves treating multiple levels, a three on average. So when you have a patient that comes in and tells you, I have back pain, morning stiffness, and you examine them and they have tenderness overlying the facet joints, that's what we call a facet syndrome. When Tiger Woods injured his neck last year, He did not herniate a disc, but he had a cervical facet syndrome. He required treatment for that problem and eventually recovered. So when we think about it, we look at the back. In the midline area, we see midline discs and nerves. We also think about the facets, which is a vertically oriented group of multi-level nerves and joints. Finally, it's separate and distinct, something called the sacroiliac joint. When the pain is either on one side or both sides, unilateral or bilateral, and when I put my finger right on 
what we call the dimples of the back, otherwise known as the sacroiliac joint, the posterior superiliac spines, and there's extreme tenderness there. Or alternatively, if there's unleveling, when I look at it carefully, if one of the sacroiliac joints is way higher than the other, I think about something called sacroiliac joint syndrome. Sacroiliac joint syndrome. How does it compare with the other entities? It typically does not radiate down into one or both legs. It's not radiating in character. It's not a radiculopathy. That's the Latin word. Also, it's usually in a different area. It doesn't go up the spine. It doesn't affect multiple levels. It basically is such when you put your finger on the SI joint, there's pain. And there's also two other tests called the Patrick's test, wherein you do a maneuver to the hip and the leg, and also something called a Lasagne's test, which is another provocative test we do in the office. When those tests are positive, they can support the diagnosis of sacroiliac dysfunction. Well, how do you treat sacroiliac dysfunction? Number one, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxers, physical therapy, myofascial treatment, even gentle manipulation, either osteopathic manipulation or chiropractic manipulation. And also, we do both diagnostic and therapeutic injections. In the operating room, we do this in neuropain specialists. We take a needle, we place it down an x-ray beam directly at the SI joint, and we inject a powerful anti-inflammatory and local anesthetic agent. When that relieves the pain, that's a positive diagnostic test, and there's also a therapeutic component. We usually do up to three injections in the sacroiliac area. Okay, let's go back to diagnosis number one. Disc injuries, lumbar root injuries. How do we treat that? So how do we treat herniated discs? Number one, at the core is a good clinical exam. There are rare cases that represent true surgical emergencies. When somebody has an acute injury to their disc, they herniate it, and they develop an inability to pass urine, or they develop constipation, that is a true emergency. That indicates the likelihood of a spinal cord involvement, or what we call a cauda equina syndrome. That's a big word in Latin. Cauda equina relates to the horse's tail. In that case, we send him to an immediate surgeon who usually does a decompression. They remove the disc with or without a fusion to stabilize the spine. That's unusual, however. 95% or greater, we start off conservatively. Anti-inflammatory medicines, muscle relaxers, physical therapy, rest, stretching, second-tier treatment. We do epidural injections in our office. That means in an operating room, we place a needle at the level of the disc, above or below it. We inject corticosteroids, local anesthetic agents. We usually do two or three of these injections over a period of four to six weeks. In our hands, the epidural injections have a 70% chance of significantly impacting on the patient's problem. They don't remove the disc, but they usually can induce a relative remission, and they allow the patient to continue their activities. So, review. Disc injuries. Unless there's a true surgical emergency, we use physical therapy, medicines, injections. We also believe gentle mobilization 
which can be done by a physical therapist or can be done safely by a chiropractic physician, are very important tools in the treatment of lumbar disc injuries. We talked about sacroiliac dysfunction, pain in the butt, literally, and these problems are treated by medicine, mobilization, and injections directly to the sacroiliac joint. The way we do our injections, we use a special x-ray machine called a fluoroscope, so we have actual pictures of the needle, we can see where the medicine is going, and we can follow that up and we can share that with the patient. I believe at the core of the treatment of low back injuries is good communication, interaction between the doctor and the patient. And again, we can see low back injuries at a host of scenarios. We can see them from car accidents, work injuries, and particularly in the sporting environment. Oftentimes, it's a twist, it's an acceleration, it's a deceleration, it's a slip and fall. We see it a lot in the wintertime. Black ice, head over heels, I landed on my back. And when they come to us, we have to decide whether it's a serious neurological injury. Another class of back injuries are the non-serious variety, what we call the simple strain and sprain. Soft tissue injuries. These injuries get better, typically in four to six weeks. They require no formal um, injections or surgical treatment. They often don't require even CAT scans or MRIs. They usually get better with rest, anti-inflammatory medicines, something called a Medrol dose pack, which is a methyl prednisolone pack over five days, gentle physical therapy, chiropractic care, and time. So if it's a simple low back strain, they get better. However, we see so many patients who are told by their doctors or by whomever, don't worry about it, you have a simple strain. They go ahead and they get evaluated. They get a careful exam by a neurologist. We find they need MRIs. And it turns out that they fall in the other category of the more serious big three. Lumbar disc injuries, nerve injuries, that's one category. Lumbar facet injuries and sacroiliac injuries. We're going to reinforce this particular discussion on future dialogues with you, the listener at Voice America Sports. This concludes this segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I will continue to help you journey through Nerveland, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.